Well, welcome uh, here in the room and online. Uh, and even tonight at 7 p.m., if you're joining us, uh, give the online pastors some love in the chat. Uh, it can get a little lonely, and they're, they're there to help you feel welcome. So uh, love that interaction. Uh, hey, I want to say thank you to all of you or some of you, not really all of you because I only heard from some of you, uh, for the warm reception of me into the role of lead pastor here at Bethany Green Lake. I'm really hopeful for the days ahead as we uh, continue to follow Jesus together and introduce Seattle to Jesus together, uh, hopefully through our life together. So uh, as Richard shared a few weeks ago, he'll continue in the role of teaching pastor, so he's not going anywhere. Uh, and I'll continue to lead worship uh, from time to time. That just feels like a real primary calling of mine. And so I uh, want to keep uh, using my gift in that way. Today, we're continuing our annual uh, vision series called Gather, Grow, Go. Uh, and this is more than an annual sermon series for us. It, it also speaks to part of how it is that our church is organized. Uh, and so... Uh, Gather, Go, Go comes from our conviction that the core functions of the church, most broadly put, are that of worship, discipleship, and mission. And that's where these words, gather, go, go, come from. Uh, to kind of orient you to that here at Bethany a bit, gather encompasses our, our gathered worship, that is our Sunday services, our small groups and initial connections, really helping folks come further up and further in uh, to the life of the, of the church, as well as our community life ministries and our care ministries, uh, helping to sustain faith and well-being uh, in our community. Uh, Grow encompasses much of our discipleship. These are our, our classes and studies, our various adult ministries, our children, youth, and family ministries, as well as college and our wilderness and ancient past ministries. And then go speaks to our mission, not to be uh, just reduced to missions, which can often give this sense of overseas uh, trips and, and money sent around the world, though we do that uh, strategically and intentionally through uh, our partners. But our Go ministries include mission and local outreach uh, with uh, partner organizations like World Relief uh, in the U.S. and in Rwanda, uh, Egros, uh, Aurora Commons, Safe Families, Urban Impact, and many others, including our new guest house in the chapel basement uh, for refugees and asylum seekers. Uh, and also our partnership with the Duwamish Tribe and our uh, school support at Daniel Bagley next door and just up the street at Robert Eagle Staff. If I left something out, don't at me. I'm just trying to give you broad strokes here. That's really just for the staff team. You didn't say. Uh, so as we walk through this Gather, Grow, Go series, um, the past few weeks, we've really focused, we've been using St. Patrick's Breastplate Prayer as a template for us. Uh, and uh, we've been using this. Richard has uh, written a book called Forest Faith that many of you got on the way in over the last couple of weeks. There'll be some more out in the lobby, uh, and there's also a digital version that you can grab online. Uh, but this uh, book, in part, teaches a meditation practice based on St. Patrick's Breastplate Prayer. And we'll again take a few minutes, as we've done the last few weeks at the end of service, and just focus on these four uh, key truths. So the last few weeks, we focused on grow uh, with the truths, Christ above me, I receive, an acknowledgement of Christ above us and, then a, and, and a desire to receive that. And Christ beneath me, I am rooted. That both of these truths and responses address our individual relationship uh, to God, how each of us interact with and experience God. And this week, we make a necessary move from the personal to the interpersonal as we shift our focus to the third line of the prayer, 
Christ around me, I'm connected. Christ around me, I'm connected. The goal is to raise our awareness of God's presence surrounding us at all times. And so this move to the interpersonal is a vital move for us because, and this is our point of teaching for today, God's presence is experienced and reflected through human connection, through community. And God's holy community, the church, is to be the zenith of connection, of connectedness. Three images from scripture reveal our connectedness to one another, to God, and to the world around us. So we're going to talk about the church as the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and a city on a hill. So join me in prayer as we consider our connectedness and the role of the church in the world. God, thank you for meeting us uh, here in the room and online, wherever we find ourselves. God, we are here to listen for your voice. And so we pray that you would speak deeply into each of us, that we would be uh, affirmed in, in our gifts and calling, that we would be inspired by your mission and vision in the world, Lord, for your glory. Speak to us now. God, we love you in your name. Amen. So uh, let's consider this first word picture together, the body of Christ. And maybe this is the first time that you've heard uh, this phrase and you're imagining a human body. Maybe you're imagining Jesus' own body on the cross, bloody and battered and bruised. Maybe you've seen something like this depicted in a piece of art, like at a, a church, a famous church you've, you've toured, like Notre Dame or the Sistine Chapel. Yes, that is the body of Christ depicted in a literal sense. But maybe you're like me and you grew up in church and you've heard this phrase a thousand times and you know that this is a metaphor for the church, for God's people. And so you've already jumped ahead and you're waiting for me to get to the part of the message where I tell you that you should be using your particular gifts to serve because without an eye or an ear, where would the body be as we read? Stay tuned, that comes later. But before we get there, I want us to see that connectedness as in the parts of a body being connected and, and community as in lives lived in proximity with one another, that these are central to God's created order from the beginning. There's a lie out there that we can be a Christian and not be a part of a church, that we can curate our own faith expression. And I believe that that's very dangerous for us. So we wanna see as we are created by community for community. Uh, turn with me or think back to Genesis 1, where we read that God created people on the sixth day when God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. Notice God says, let us. In other words, the creation of humanity flows not from God as one, but God as three, God as us, Father, Christ, and Spirit. And then this triune God creates not one, but two individuals and says, you have been made to be an image, to reflect, to embody our likeness, that of Father, Son, and Spirit. This small detail is so important because it means our calling to reflect God to the world is not embodied through mere individual belief or personal holiness. Those are good things. But the way the world knows God is through how we relate to one another the same way the Trinity is bound to one another in perfect unity through love. In Eastern Orthodox Christianity, the idea of the Trinity creating is, is imagined as a perfect dance. And from this dance, God creates humankind, the apex of creation. And we're to live in this same perfect union and to expand and to grow and to bring life. 
We are formed by community for community. And the local church here and around the world are to be embassies of hope, whereby God's kingdom society of faith, hope, love, generosity, justice, and belonging are on display. And we'll consider that more later as we consider the church as a city on a hill. But many of us uh, know someone or 10 someones or 100 someones, or maybe this is you in some ways, who has left the church in, in, in recent years or months. And sometimes this is the result of, of a wound from a church community or from a leader. Sometimes it's existential or theological. And sometimes it's probably more often than not the result of a, a slow drift. Maybe it starts as kids' sports on Sundays, or a change in work schedule, not really feeling up for leaving the house for whatever reason. And certainly the pandemic of the last few years hasn't made it any easier for us. For much of that time, everything was virtual. And maybe for some of you, everything still is virtual. But when we do interact with people, we're always aware of divisions around health safety and science, politics, racial strife. And this has further contributed to the forsaking of church life, particularly here in America. But it's important for us to understand that a Christian without a church is a Christian in trouble. And, th and this isn't me projecting a, a worry about us as a local church, like giving or attendance. The, the church is doing great. The church will be fine. God has been so faithful to us at Bethany. You've been faithful to us at Bethany. And we have this promise from scripture that Jesus in his own words in Matthew 16 says that the gates of hell won't stand against the church. The church is gonna be fine. But I'm burdened by those in our lives and in our midst that God has gifted and called, but who have drifted away for whatever reason. Not to mention those in our city who have not yet heard and responded to God's invitation, God's revelation. In fact, I'm humbled by the fact that our city of Seattle has grown much faster than we as a church has grown, than the church in Seattle broadly has grown. And so there's much good work for us to do together. So I wanna pause here and make sure you hear a few things really clearly as I've, as I've said those things. Uh, many of you continue uh, to worship online. Uh, many of those reasons are health and safety related. We bless you in that and we are here for you. We're doing all that we can to, to help you connect in, in virtual settings. In fact, the, the fall guide denotes things uh, specifically that are virtual and depending on our health situation in the coming months, more could become virtual again, but we'll just trust the Lord in that and walk those steps. But we wanna help you connect. I also wanna be really clear uh, for those of you who can attend in person, that we continually work to make uh, our in-person ministries and services as safe as possible. We continue to require masks for all, regardless of vaccination status. We've added touchless fixtures in all of our bathrooms and have added sanitizing stations throughout the buildings. The bulletin remains digital and we're not passing the plates uh, for now. And most importantly, we've added a ton of stuff to the HVAC system by installing RGF air filtration. You're like, ooh, RGF air filtration. You don't have to know what that means. It's just, it's, there's things happening that help this place, this air you breathe be as safe as possible in here. All that to say, if you want to attend in person, we'd love to have you. We're making it as safe as possible. 
you've not joined us in person yet, uh, at, particularly at the 8 and the 11, there's a ton of space. And the balcony uh, at the 8 and the 11 is almost empty every week. So if you're looking for like a private box for a little while as you re-enter, we just love to offer that to you. So that ends the mid-sermon commercial on online worship uh, and health and safety here on campus. We've realized we just haven't said as much as we're doing super well. So I wanted to take a moment in this Gather Vision series and just let you know that. But friends, the church is a body, the body of Christ. And we are his hands and feet and eyes and ears in the world. And each of us has a part to play. Years ago at Bethany, during a strategic uh, planning process called appreciative inquiry, this is something that um, we actually learned most closely from World Relief in Rwanda, that there were uh, things they did as the church in Rwanda post-genocide to help create some reconciliation. And one of the questions in appreciative inquiry that we asked about 100 or so leaders at the time across the locations that Bethany had We said, when did you feel most alive in your time at Bethany? And do you know what the overwhelming majority of people said? They said, when I started serving. And the overwhelming majority of those folks said that they started serving when someone called and invited them into service. And it was really interesting that the someones weren't staff. It wasn't like Richard on the phone, like, hey, we need you. It was people serving and said, hey, I'm doing this and I enjoy it. Would love to invite you to do it with me. And people jumped in. They would say, you know, I, I see this in you and there's a need. How about it? You're kind and have a listening ear. Would you consider being a, a deacon or a Stephen minister? We're on the hunt for uh, those folks even now. You have the gift of hospitality and creating a vibe. Would you host a small group or set up the coffee space on Sundays? Or or, or this has happened before. Uh, Man, my kids, they approach you on Sundays. They love talking with you. Would you consider being a part of a, a Sunday school class in some way? And when this happens, not only is the church built and lives changed through this service, but we each experience the presence of God and the connectedness and belonging that comes from being a part of the body of Christ. Now, most important in the passage that Amy read for us from 1 Corinthians 12 isn't these various types of gifts, but rather that the body-like unity of Christians isn't a goal to be achieved, but a fact to be recognized. We've been given the same spirit as a gift. It's a feature of our life together. Likewise, the diversity within the body is by design and is too a gift. Each of you has a unique story, gifting, passions, a calling on your life. And we submit, when we submit these things to the head that is Christ for his use, the church participates in the renewing of the world. So we are inextricably connected to one another, just as a body is, but we're also connected to God. And this leads us to our second word picture, the bride of Christ. The heart of the gospel is God's love for humanity. And the beauty of God's love is is that it's not conditional. It's deeper than I'll do this as long as you do this. Maybe you've heard this at a wedding before, that, that this is a covenant relationship and not simply a contract. The gospel says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This means that God acted first and God's in it for the long haul, pursuing us at every turn. 
Now, the image of a, a bride and bridegroom is woven throughout Scripture, but it always speaks to a covenantal relationship between God and humanity, between Christ and his church. Look with me at a, a few places in Scripture where we see this image. This is from Isaiah 54. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. In Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. And in Revelation 21, the bride is a city. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. So as we consider our meditation for today, Christ around me, I'm connected. We need to heed the call back to a, a communal and covenantal relationship with God. But this is central to the identity of the church, that we're a part of the body and the body is in covenant. The body performs functions. It works, if you will. But the most important work is the commitment of love to Christ, the bridegroom. In the book of Revelation, there are uh, seven letters to seven churches. And maybe you've heard sermon series on these. These letters to the seven churches tend to be the only part of the book of Revelation that pastors ever, ever touch. Uh, but uh, it's important to understand that these aren't uh, the only churches, but we're to understand these seven churches as representing all churches. And this is a great example for us to understand that uh, something we need to remember that the Bible wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. And therefore it can't mean now what it didn't mean then. It, it was written uh, for us, not to us. So listen to the first letter uh, to the church at Ephesus. It says, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. This is Jesus. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet this I hold against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So the church at Ephesus was doing all the things as we say, but in their doing, they neglected to do the most important thing. It could be said that their serving God replaced their knowing God. And I fear that this is true all too often in our lives. It's certainly been true in my life. And many of our churches, including our own church, makes it way too easy to show up week in and week out and serve and then forget to drink from the fountain. All of our ministry, all the stuff we do for God should come from the overflow of his life at work within us and through us. Jesus said in John 7, 37 and 38, 
Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. This is precisely why Pastor Richard has has again and again led us to creating a rule of life, sustainable faith habits, including practices like meditation, where we can pause and remember God's promises to us. We should note that one of the promises uh, for us as a church from this passage is if we don't turn and follow God first and only, we don't get to be a church anymore. I don't know what the process of removing our lampstand is, but I really don't want to find out. There is a continual pressure for, for us as a church and all church in society to say and do and, and, and perform in certain ways. And many times this is, this is right because the church has been complicit. The church has much to learn. And, and certainly systems like capitalism and, and consumerism lead folks to treat local churches like local businesses. But I wanna say very clearly, we're, we're not target. We're the bride of Christ. And our vision of wholeness and justice and love comes from God and God's word. And so we must test and approve what we find on, on social media. There are compelling things in our Instagram stories that run counter to the word of God. And so we do well when we remember words like Isaiah 55, where God tells us, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We align our vision with God and submit our plans to the Lord humbly and follow where he leads without fear or apology because we are the body of Christ, connected to one another and submitted to Christ as the head. And we are the bride of Christ in covenant community and love with Father, Son, and Spirit. And so lastly, we are the church, a city on a hill. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. The idea of a, of a city on a hill has always been an inspiring image to me. Uh, in fact, it's probably one of the most borrowed images from scripture in, in famous political speeches. Maybe you've heard these before. It's been quoted by almost every president to hold office, including Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Carter, Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Obama. It cuts across party lines. I imagine many folks around us don't even know it's, it's in reference to God's people rather than America because they first heard it on, on an election night or, or, or in an inauguration speech. But these words spoken by Jesus are the call of the local church and they not only speak to our individual witness, but to our collective call to be on display, reflecting Christ's love in every dark place, uh, under bridges and at every border, to every woman who's just discovered she's pregnant, to every teen struggling with sexuality, to those struggling with mental illness, for those persecuted and afraid in places like Afghanistan and even here in Seattle, and in every cancer ward and COVID ICU, the list goes on. 
And we'll talk about our, our mission and calling together next week as Richard closes out our series. But what I love about the image of a city on a hill is that it's visible from afar. It's on display. It's working beyond its walls. It's an example, a, a beacon of light and hope, drawing people to come see for themselves. And even better, Jesus says at the end of that last passage that it will lead to worship, which is the church's primary calling, that they would see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's central to our life together. Now, I said earlier that churches are to be embassies of heaven. And technically speaking, embassies are an officially sanctioned outpost of one nation inside the borders of another nation. Embassies represent and speak to a foreign nation uh, representing that government. Now, perhaps you've been to Washington, D.C. On, on a tour uh, and you've seen Embassy Row. And so say you were there and you were going to go into the Italian embassy. You, you would likely hear people speaking Italian as one of the primary languages. You'd see flags and artwork representing Italian history and culture. Perhaps if you were invited to their holiday party of their staff, you would have fine Italian wine and pizza with pineapple on it. That's not true. You would not. Scripture says our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there. And as I read earlier from Revelation 21, the end of the story is in a city. And the city is a bride with Christ as the groom. And so even today, when people see our church from afar or walk through our doors and experience our life together, we're pointing to the end of the story where Christ lives and reigns among us. And we're bringing life and flourishing now. The local church is a place where people can experience, like in an embassy, the culture of heaven, the connectedness and community and justice and generosity of the kingdom of God. And we have a part to play representing Christ's life through our unique gifts. I want to close with these words from N.T. Wright. He says, it's often pointed out that some of the places most lacking in hope are not the industrial wastelands or the bleak landscapes shorn of beauty, but the places where there is too much money, too much high culture, too much of everything except faith, hope, and love. This is the good news of justice, redemption, truth, beauty, and above all, Jesus, that the church is called upon to live and to speak, to bring into reality in each place and each generation. The church, because it is the family that believes in the new creation, a belief constantly reinforced by the New Testament, should stand out in every city, town, and village as the place where hope bursts forth. Not just hope that something better lies in the hereafter, rather a belief that God's new world has been sown like seeds in a field, and it is already bearing surprising fruit. Amen to that. Friends, God is at work among us, the church. We are his body, his bride, and his city on a hill. So as we turn to a, a time of a response together, I'm going to invite Nathaniel right on cue. Thank you, sir, to come and uh, set the mood for us on the keys as we take three minutes together and just meditate on these four truths that this series is rooted in from St. Patrick. They're going to rotate every 15 seconds or so. I'm going to invite you to to inhale and exhale slowly and just say these phrases. And when you get to our, our prayer for today, Christ around me, 
I'm connected. Uh, look around and thank God for your siblings in faith or uh, consider those who know and love you and support you. Think about who you wanna invite with you next week. If you look around, you're like, I don't know anybody. And for those of you online, just encourage you to thank God for a friend or someone that comes to mind. Let's take three minutes and pray this as a way of practicing this posture of meditation. God, we just uh, confess that we are uh, such distracted people and, and you are literally uh, shouting to us uh, through your word and through creation and those around us uh, of, of your love and faithfulness to us, the ways in which you're sustaining us. And so God, even now this practice is just uh, an example of how uh, throughout the week, as we live and breathe 24 seven, uh, that we can just pause and remember 
of the ways in which you're sustaining life within us and around the world. God, we ask uh, as we uh, worship you again now and, and as we sing about even your church and the gospel, that your love for us, that you acted first, I pray that you would fill us with a deep sense uh, of comfort and faith. Uh, God, would we be committed to your mission uh, in the world? But we don't want to miss this moment, God. We want to sit in it with you and just stop and pause and thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Uh, we love you. In your name, amen. Well, let's continue in worship as we sing.